0: Welcome, listeners, to Out of the Box with your host, Jonathan Russo. Our guest today is attorney and author James Stuber. After earning degrees in political science at UPenn in Columbia and his law degree at Georgetown, James served as chief legislative assistant to a senior member of the U.S. House of Representatives. James then embarked on a career in private practice, but in 2014, he returned to public policy as he began research on his book, What if things were made in America again? In his book, published in 2017, James chronicles the sad history of America's policies, of sending our factories and jobs overseas, and the resulting destruction of lives, families, and communities across America. As James delved into these questions, he recognized the outsized part that China has played in these events. In his book, James devotes an entire chapter to China's threat, Not only the economic and military security threat to the United States, but also to the rest of the world, developed and undeveloped alike. James proposes that American citizen consumers have it in their power not only to reclaim those lost jobs, but also to bring an end to our economic support for China's threat to the world order. As some of our listeners know, I have been acutely attuned to the challenge China has posed for a long time. James has followed the growth of that threat in recent years, and fortunately, the growing awareness of the China issue among policymakers and the American public. We look forward to him sharing what he has learned with us and where we need to go from here. Full disclosure, I've interviewed Jim before for Worth Magazine. I wrote a review of that book on worth.com. Search for the title. I'm interviewing a friend, not a third party that I don't know. Okay, listeners, we have back... James Stuber, uh, our China expert, and um, we have him back because we're in a sort of a head turning situation right now. Um, we thought we may have wrapped up, Jim and I, about, I don't know, we did about six po- podcasts for, for season one on China and uh, the economics of China and American relationship with China. We thought we, we'd covered the landscape, but there've been so many new developments that I, I really thought I'd have James back to catch up and find out what's going on in the present. Jim, I I think we're all stunned uh, how China has gone from zero COVID to uh, let it rip. Basically, a 180 degree turn overnight. Clearly, the West was unprepared uh, for this and uh, is now scrambling to figure out what to do. Witness all the countless restrictions that Spain is putting on Chinese tourists. France has its own set. Britain has its own set. You know, every, Italy just announced a new set of of, uh, of guidelines for for Chinese tourists for COVID tests that come to the to the West or come to Italy. The point being, they did 180 degrees turnaround on their COVID. I'm getting a sense, though, of a 180 degree turnaround in America regarding China. Uh, rapid, amazing, overnight, um, quite, quite stunning. Um, what's behind this? Well, it's, it's fascinating, Jonathan. So there are two turnarounds, and the one being the,
1: the China policy, the, the elite's policies on, on COVID. And it, to me, it points out the, the really thin ice that the CCP is always standing on. The Chinese have this idea, uh, historically, that, that when, when people—there would be an uprising of the people, and they would overthrow one of the dynasties, and that that was, uh, you know, that was the gods. It was ordained that that was going to happen— and so the, the uh, rulers are always worried that they're going to create a condition where they're going to have an uprising. And so they were getting so much terrible dissatisfaction right. with their policies of doing things like shutting down a, a city the size of Shanghai that yeah. they just thought it was untenable any longer. And they just had, had to do this
0: or they were afraid they'd be overthrown. Isn't that that concept, the Chinese concept of mandate of heaven, that since they don't have an election and they don't rule by legislation, they rule by this this kind of cosmic concept, mandate of heaven that the ruler has to have? Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Uh, thank you for re- remembering the term. And that's it. And and they uh, this
1: is really a belief that's run down through the yeah. centuries in China. And I think that the CCP stole, you know, this is really widely held. And uh, maybe only for pragmatic reasons, but I think that's what I think that's what's at work here there. And then on on our side, it's it feels like it's overnight. But I, my sense has been kind of like in the last five years we have seen this growing, but the curve is probably steepening as we've seen people wake up uh, uh, on you know on, across the political spectrum but especially on the conservative side, you know, people like Senator Josh Hawley. So it has been head-turning both on the Chinese side and on the American side. Uh, it, it's just really hard to keep up with these changes in attitude on the part of the Chinese elites and in on the part of the
0: American elites and the American populace. Right. Jim, I read something in the Wall Street Journal, an editorial, I can't find it right now, but I, I, it was vivid in my mind, that um, the, the belief was that she knew all along these these couldn't work, um, these lockdowns couldn't work. He just needed to keep them in place until he assumed power for the third term and perhaps for life. And once he did that, you know, he would let it rip, that it was a, he couldn't allow this to happen before his coronation for the third term. Is that is that a possibility? I think just a slightly different view of that. I think that in the beginning, he did think it
1: could work because he thought he was uh, facing this monolithic virus and not taking into account all these variants that were going to show up. And so, and indeed, if you look at South Korea, they had a zero COVID policy that seemed to be working for a while. So I think that he really thought that the lockdown approach was going to work, but then as it became clear that it wouldn't work and that their vaccines didn't work, uh, he needed to hang on by his fingernails until he could get, get through October. Uh, right. and, and now then I think that the dynamic I mentioned earlier has come into play where he realized that he he couldn't keep doing that or else
0: he, he was going to have people with pitchforks in the streets. Right. OK, let's get back to the present. Um, how much do you think uh, the, the turnaround in our view towards China is as a result of their support of Russia uh, in the Ukraine war? Um, here's an example of a headline from the Financial Times. China tells Brussels not to cling to U.S. as rift widens over Putin's war. So let's just walk this back. China tells Brussels. So China's telling Brussels what their policy should be with the regarding Ukraine and the U.S. relationship. I mean, not only is that arrogant and extremely um, uh, offensive if you were Brussels or the uh, the EU, but it's just wrong. I mean, we all know that this war is wrong. You know, they're saying, quote, um, Russia has security concerns, unquote, and that China thinks that that should be recognized. Listen, I understand Russia has security concerns, but that's not an excuse for civilian infrastructure destruction, rape, torture, Ah, b- bombing—you know, mad madness—that's going on and destroying the Ukraine. I mean, that's not how you answer quote security concerns. Is that what China thinks is the answer to security concerns? Is that how you address a security concern? by invading and destroying a, a, a people and sending refugees fleeing. So, how? Let's go. Let's go to that question. Are we shocked that China supporting Russia? Is this like throwing even the U.E. into? Uh, you know into questioning the china china model the china relationship how impactful is that
1: i don't think i'm not shocked and i don't think anybody should be shocked because china is just another authoritarian regime like russia always has been and, and will be for the foreseeable future so it, it's not surprising to see them in cahoots and I, I think that it's it's really a pragmatic call on their part that you know they they like buying russian oil at a huge discount uh, they're, they're watching the geopolitical uh, landscape, and so they've, they've been kind of tiptoeing around this, uh, just being uh, total pragmatists about it in the face of all, all of the horrible things you described. So I think that it has just served to undercut China's position in the world, in Europe, uh, and probably even with the American you know, voting populace that, that, you know, that they see them behaving this way. But I don't think it's surprising
0: they're they are an authoritarian state There's a dictatorship. You know, we all know that, you know, we all know that. But there's a, a, a gigantic Chinese company called BYD. Many people may not know about BYD. Fortunate if you don't, because you may hear about it in the future in an unkind way. But BYD is, in fact, a larger, uh, a larger manufacturer of electric vehicles than Tesla is in China. OK. BYD now wants to expand like Hyundai or Kaya did um, into Europe. They're establishing a network of dealerships. They they want to sell uh, electric cars to the Europeans. What European is going to buy an electric car if they think there is going to be a nuclear bomb dropped on. Kiev, what, what, what the, Europe's in recession? They don't have gas. They, they they're paying, you know, ridiculous prices for energy. They're talking about blackouts. I mean, it's not a great time to be a European economy, European consumer. There's kind of gloom and doom across the continent, including, you know, the the English across the channel. So on one hand, BYD and the Chinese government want to send and sell cars to Europe. On the other hand, they've created this incredible gloom. And why would anybody want to buy a car from right now? Which is it going to be? Well,
1: you know, they didn't create the gloom, they've just been complicit in it, I think. Okay. And, and I think that they are right. always looking to expand into other people's markets. And they'll do what uh, Hyundai did to us, which was they sold their, their cars at far, far below their cost of producing them just so they could grab some market share. Yep. And of course, the Chinese are perfectly capable of doing that. And you know they would love to own the European electric car, car market. So, you know, that's more of the same behavior and, you know, maybe their timing isn't great as far as uh, Europeans' ability to buy electric cars, but all the big uh, European electric car makers are t- making big bets on, on electric cars right now. So I think the Chinese just, you know, business as usual, want to grab as much of that market
0: as they they can get. Okay, but there's, that means there's no coordination between the policymakers and the businesses. Because the, 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 the Chinese support for the Ukraine war is not going to help sell cars in Chinese cars in Europe. That's all I'm pointing out.
1: Yes. Well, I think it's a very valid point. But they're looking at this, uh, you know, at different levels. And I think at the, the highest macro level, uh, the Chinese leaders are, are looking at the ability to
0: buy Russian oil for a song. Wow, that's pretty cynical uh, off the backs of dead yeah. dead, dead Ukrainians. Okay. Of course. Okay. Yeah. okay, so another example of, of my head-turning China shock is um, the current January, February uh, Foreign Affairs magazine. A couple of headlines. How to Stop Chinese Coercion by Victor Cha. Taiwan, the Long Game by uh, Jude Blanchett and uh, Ryan Haas. The New Industrial Age Should America Once Again Become a Manufacturing Superpower by Ro Khanna? He's mm-hmm. the congressman from, and I know this is your specialty, the congressman from Silicon Valley. Okay, so that's the, the those are the three leading articles, some of the three leading articles in this, in, in foreign affairs, all of them about China and containing China and, um, you know, standing up to China, competing with China. It, it doesn't really, you know, it, it, it doesn't really end uh, in, the, in foreign affairs. And then we go to the book review section Of foreign affairs. And a couple of books are reviewed in the Asian section. One of um, them is Seeking Truth and Hiding Facts Information, Ideology, and Authoritarianism in China by Jeremy Wallace, Oxford University Press. Another one is, oh, this is my favorite, Overreach How China Derailed Its Peaceful Rise by Susan Shire, Oxford University Press. Okay, so. The, the Journal of the Foreign Policy Establishment, you know, the, the Foreign Affairs Journal is basically nothing, not nothing, but, you know, significantly populated with articles and book reviews of, of books that are worrying about containing China. Where were these people 10, 15 years ago? I mean, it, it is, this is not the only edition that has these these sort of articles. I'm just pointing out the most recent one. Isn't this yeah. shocking to you? It is. Uh, where were they? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I'm
1: laughing on my end. I here. am
0: too. I can't uh, stop. And
1: there, there was one in the previous edition was uh, Kevin Rudd talking mm-hmm. yes. about how we should not have rose-colored glasses on, yes. and we should yeah. we should realize that Xi Jinping really believes all this communist ideology, right? And and that you know that should put to bed any idea that we had. 10 or 15 years ago, that the, the Chinese, as they adopted uh, more free market uh, principles, that they were going to become economically and politically liberal, and that uh, Xi, Xi Jinping's behavior uh, really what's the nail in the coffin of all of that. So. I don't know how long ago they should have awakened to the idea that this wasn't going to work, but it's you know, longer than 10 or 15 years ago. It should have become evident <laughs> that yeah, this this wasn't happening. Now, some of it, you know, the Chinese were were uh, doing the old art of war thing uh, right. and not showing their cards and uh, being very quiet about the fact that they were still communists uh, and and that they believed all the all you know this dialectical materialism. All the things that, uh, you know, we leading edge baby boomers were taught about communism back in the Cold War uh, remained true. And you and I talked about this previously, that all of the structures, the Politburo yeah. and the, you know, the, the standing committee, none of that's changed in 70 years. It was all there. But, uh, you know, the um, the end of history, it's just this wishful thinking Um Well, at least they've awakened now,
0: but it's pretty pathetic. Right. Um, Okay. Not only is it pathetic on this um, intellectual level that that all these scholars in foreign affairs are writing about, but if I'm not mistaken, the military is really, really, really alarmed. I mean, they are pretty alarmed at the Chinese um, weaponization of intercontinental ballistic missiles, um, all hypersonic these, missiles. hypersonic missiles. Thank you. All of these ship, Shiller, yep, sh- thank you. Exactly yeah. what I was going to. The ship-killing missiles that could mm-hmm. take out all the the the, the U.S. Um, destroyer fleet, uh, aircraft carriers. I mean, the yeah. military is all of a sudden woken up. If not mistaken, to this. So you have like industrial policy waking up, military yeah. is woken up. The um, political uh, politicians have woken up um, on the on both Republican and Democratic side. I, I think the only thing uniting the, 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 the entire Congress right now is China policy. Russia policy doesn't seem to be as united. You have a core group of of uh, Republicans who are questioning our commitment to Ukraine and uh, wondering why we're not pro Putin. So what's going? So so the landscape is really where's the daylight for the China for the China uh, supporters? Is Wall Street the only bastion left, or even they interested in China?
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, I think they still are, and maybe some of the you know the global companies like General Motors who sell more in China than they do yeah. in the United States. So I'd say probably some of these, you know, these big global corporations, there's still some support for it there. Um, boy, it's, it's hard to think where else. Maybe there are some diehard die uh, global, you know, globalist ideologues who really just believe that this, um, this world order that we created at Bretton Woods, you know, still can work. Uh, but there' it's they're they're in a diminishing corner of the room right now, I think
0: it, it it certainly seems that way. um the the direction the intellectual direction is so so clearly um concerned about the the rise of china when you when you get a book about how China blew its peaceful rise. um mm-hmm. you're really you're you know, you you're really coming out and saying, like this is on them.
1: yes. and and I think that it's been a. Big mistake on Xi's part. I think they they could. I think they could have continued to become an economic superpower. Uh, I was reading something in the Economist about how it may well be that the Chinese economy will always be ten or fifteen years away from surpassing the U.S. economy.
0: I read that too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
1: and so uh, you know maybe they blew it just because by going in this direction of. Ultra nationalism, military buildup, paranoia, uh, and that that they just left a lot of economic cards on the table.
0: Probably, but boy, when you look at their progress and you realize, you know, that they shot down a satellite from you know in, in outer space, uh, they've been to the dark side of the moon. You know, their hypersonic mm-hmm. weapons. I mean, mm-hmm. they're 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 not totally deluded in thinking that they they've become a very powerful. Um you know, very powerful country and a very powerful economic and military force. I mean, they may have been huh. premature in it, but it's certainly like you have to look at it and go, wow, you did all that in you know the span of 30 years, 35, 40 years at the most.
1: Yes. And I think that's the danger, is that that they they see that probably fairly accurately as to their abilities now. Yeah. And so there's uh, a, you know a lot of sentiment on their part to s- strike. While they're at their peak, and before we do, play some catch-up ball, maybe they, you know they want to go for Taiwan while they
0: they still feel like they have the upper hand. Yeah, um, that's a that's a uh, belief that would pay, basically I've we've spoken about this before. End the world as we know it. You know, if there is a conflict in the Taiwan Strait and shipping um, is is prohibited there, and insurance companies won't insure anybody, and there's just a danger of, of going anywhere near. You know the South China Sea um it'll make the covid lockdowns. It'll make the the two thousand and eight uh, economic crisis look like child's play. I mean, mm. we're talking about potential, you know to to basically go back into the dark ages if if the if if China invades Taiwan and cuts mm. off trade with the the entire world. Um, or trade is cut off by, because of military fear from the entire world, that's throwing a monkey wrench on the planet. It'll even make the Ukraine war look like um, a, a small conflict in terms of you know, the, the trade barriers and the, and the contraction of trade and the GDP loss in the United States if there's a real China-Taiwan conflict. Um,
1: yeah, I think you're right. think right? <laughs> I yeah. think that's
0: actually the best case scenario. That's yeah, okay. Well, that's the best case there. What's the worst case scenario? That it really becomes
1: a world conflagration of of
0: military uh, uh, conflict. Wow. Well, this has happened before. You know, we didn't think Germany would do this. We didn't think Japan mm-hmm. would do this. They felt yeah, we baited. didn't think Putin, Putin we would didn't. do it. Yeah, we didn't think Putin would do it. Right. So we're 0 for 3 in that regard, aren't we? I mean, the West yeah. is really 0 for 3 in that regard. We really didn't think that 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 Hitler would ever Hitler would ever do what he did, um, no. although the all the signs of rearmament were there. You know, we never thought the China the Japanese would do what they did, but all the signs of rearmament and aggressive war were there exactly paralleling China. You know, taking over islands bit by bit, declaring economic zones to be theirs. You know, they haven't really invaded uh, Manchuria yet. You know, or or mm. Korea, uh, they haven't done anything like that. The other thing that that I think has shocked everybody is is, is um, their support of North Korea. I, I find again this this so shocking. It, hmm. I can't explain to you how it makes no logical sense to support somebody who is like threatening to uh nuclear create a nuclear conflagration with his with the biggest trading partners that China has I mean they trade with South Korea they have South Korea has enormous investments in factories. In in, in China, they have a a, a real economic base Mm -hmm. there. Japan is their second or third largest trading partner. I mean, all of these countries are daily threatened by a madman in North Korea that that could only exist because the Chinese are encouraging him, goading him on, just winking mm-hmm. at his misbehavior. Why would you do that to, to, to people that you have such strong, powerful economic ties with? Does that make sense?
1: I, I, I scratch my head about it also, but I think it's useful to go back to 1952 or 51, whenever the uh, Chinese entered the Korean War, um, you know, so maybe a piece of it is, ideolo- is the ideology. Maybe a piece of it is just geopolitical alliances that they they just have this historical alliance with Korea that they don't want to give up. It's it's puzzling, I have to say, but it seems to run deep, and it's it's uh, scary to me that we seem to be replaying something that happened in you know 1950.
0: Yeah. Only this time with, with nuclear weapons, so it's not the same as as, as 1950, where it was, uh, you know, bullets, yeah. ha- bullets, howitzers, howitzers and, uh, and and yeah. and, a, and a couple of you know, a couple of incendiary bombs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the stakes the stakes are, are higher. Which so re- which reminds me, um, as far as how to avoid that conflagration, I, I think that the best thing we can do now, we and our allies is to make a very clear statement that we would support Taiwan militarily if, if China moves on them militarily. And I think that Biden could be clearer on that in his message. He just needs to say, yeah, we support the one China policy, but not by military means. We support yeah. the one China policy as long as it's done by the choice of the people. We're 100% for that. We will not support a one China policy that's achieved through military action. And I think that's totally consistent with our one China policy stand. And then to avoid what we did in Korea in 1950, which was sent a signal that we didn't care about Korea. So then when uh, Kim went to Stalin and asked for permission to invade the South, he said, sure, fine, because you know they're not gonna do anything about it. So as long as the Chinese I think that if the Chinese believe that their costs of, of doing of money against Taiwan would be prohibitive to the, to the Chinese, that's going to be our only hope of keeping them out of there. Otherwise, I think they would have gone in, honestly, Jonathan, in the past this past fall, wow. uh, right after the October meeting, if right. Putin hadn't done what he did and, and, and kind
0: of made them stop and think, oh, maybe that wouldn't be a good idea didn't biden come out and say that we would intervene militarily i thought he got, he, did. He, did. he did he did and <laughs> i
1: just think he, he could and i and i support him 100% and he he but he should what he should do is clarify and say we're for a one china policy as long as it's done by peaceful means and then that i think that that gives us uh, a a rational stand to take that's also consistent with uh, our law that's in place of of uh,
0: supporting taiwan militarily right you know what really depresses me um how because of china and russia china in the in asia russia obviously in europe we're now supporting rearming people who have a long history of not using those arms very well you know yes. germany is now committed to uh, 2% of, the, of their gdp to rearm they're going to definitely rearm they're going to have their own weapons they have some very i can't wait to see those weapons too uh, anybody who can make a porsche you know and a bmw motorcycle I, I i really fear to see the weapons that they that they that they end up developing uh, it's going to be technologically so far superior to anything we have it's it's going to scare the shit out of us and then we, and now and now, Japan. You know, the two countries that that after their their World War II devastation, after Cologne and Dresden and the firebombing of Tokyo, and then the nuclear bombing of you know Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, kind of said, you know, guys, maybe we'll be you know, pacifistic. We'll, we'll go under the U.S. umbrella. You didn't come in here and, and rape our women. You didn't come here and, you know, hurt us. You had the Marshall Plan for, for, for to rebuild Germany and make it a civilized place. And in Japan, you know, we, we, we occupied it in a peaceful manner and rebuilt the whole thing and ended up buying, you know, Han, uh, Toyotas. I mean, no other occupier in the history of the planet, has ever treated its defeated adversary with the kid gloves support and love that we treated Germany and and, and West Germany and Japan after World War II. Okay? Ever. Nobody's ever done that. But now, because of China and because of, of Putin, we're going to gladly watch as Germany unified now right back to World mm-hmm. War One and World War II it rearms and Japan is now going to rearm and you know mm-hmm. it's, not, it's' not going to be long for them to want a nuclear bomb because the nuclear bomb is what prevents anybody from invading you let's let's be real that is what it it takes so Japan is going to rearm and to to counter the Chinese threat because they know exactly what, what 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 revenge China would seek on them for the rape of Nanking and the um, if talk about you know grudges, the, the makes, that makes that make the Opium mm. War look, look look like you know look like a, a skirmish.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's very con- concerning.
0: Okay, so that's what so, they forced us to do. They forced for us. They they forced us to cheer on our defeated World War II adversaries to rearm. Great. Going. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That we it w- it was nice and it was really nice, and wonderful when they could. Be pacifistic, and we wouldn't have to worry about <laughs> what elements of their society might be, you know, be getting in charge of things again. Right. Uh, and, and that we could just spend, you know, enormous percentage of our GDP and keeping the world safe. And they, uh, Putin and, and she have removed that that possibility from us that we can no longer rely on that. And so I think that it has indeed created a situation where uh all all of the Western powers have to step up and and do their part, but then it, it as you say it raises the threat of these elements of German society. The Nazis are very strong there still, uh, and in Japan the, the imperialists mm-hmm. um, you know that mm-hmm. can all rear its head again. And now yep. you've got a a country armed to the teeth that, that's dealing with that. So it's, it's a regrettable development. It really is.
0: Yeah. You know, many many historians have always said, you know, World War II was just a replay of World War One. It was a really one mm-hmm. war fought over, you know, fought with an interregnum of a few decades, and uh, you know, we, we 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 don't want to see that again. But that's the way it now is being pushed by by the, the Chinese and the Russian aggression. Um, not a good thing, so we uh, you know, as we as we both know. Okay. Yeah, and
1: as you mentioned, the stakes are so much higher now. I mean, even without oh, the yeah? nuclear. Even without the nuclear piece, with with precision-guided inter- intercontinental ballistic missiles, I mean, uh, honestly, you may think I'm yeah. crazy, but I drive around and I look at, like, overpasses and things and think about uh, what happens when that gets blown up. Uh, you know, the, the society can be brought to a standstill. Oh, in and, a minute. You
0: know, we can have our own
1: Ukrainian
0: winter. Oh, in a minute, in 36 seconds. The, yeah. the, the 36 seconds, one intercontinental ballistic missile lands in Penn Station or lands in, you know, downtown mm-hmm. Chicago or air Los Angeles mm-hmm. or Miami. That's it. I mean, what's going to be, are you going to fly anywhere? you think they're going to put airplanes in the air when when they're, uh-huh. inter- you know, missiles flying around? I mean, we don't well, realize how fragile this is. You're absolutely right. I was with a couple of
1: guys recently who are, you know, big data guys, and they were showing me the building. In Philadelphia, that houses like this enormous internet node, right. and like you know, the Chinese know where that building
0: is. Sure,
1: it's enough to be make you become a prepper.
0: You know, there won't be any any use for that in a dystopian zombie dangerous. Where you could, you know, this is like uh, this is like an aside to this conversation. But I have <laughs> these friends that 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 are preppers, or so you know that that believe in physical gold. Like they're telling me about physical. and I'm like, don't you understand that if you have physical gold and somebody hears that they're going to go kill you? <laughs> right, like, you, you're going to be the first person that the armed, you know, the armed anarchist posse is going to go find when when it's known that, you know, Joe, Joe Jones up in, you know, the Catskills has, you know, a big store of physical gold. <laughs> they think that's going to save them. Anyway, that, that's a real digression. We can cut it out. OK. Well, but I mean, it does. It leads to you know the, the, the
1: need for really wise policymakers, you know, being at the helm and helping us navigate this this uh, scary new world we're, we're living in. And as you said, it's head spinning. Uh, it's, you know, 6, 10, 12 months ago,
0: we were living in a different world. Yeah, that that's what is really head spinning, that the policy, it's the, the politic as we said, the political, intellectual, and military uh, have all woken up, and, and they're no longer playing the same game that they were before. Um, yeah. It, you know, it's all possible that that this will that this will ratchet itself down. Um, that 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 could happen. It could it could ratchet itself down. I'd like but to see that
1: with with China. It might. I think with Russia, it's going to be a tough slog.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's agreed. I, I did. China send out some signals already to Australia. They wanted to try to make nice.
1: I, I missed it. I'm glad to hear if they
0: did. Yeah, I heard that they did. They've already, like, you know, made some statements, you know, that maybe we can, you know, start again and rebalance our, you know, rebalance our needs <laughs> or whatever.
1: Yeah. And maybe the next time you ask us for an investigation of the origins of COVID, we won't stop importing coal from you.
0: Yeah. What's your forecast for China and COVID? What is going to happen to, with, with uh know, we had a million deaths in the United States. We have an aging population. They have an aging population. Evidently, we have five ICU units for per x amount of American citizens. They have one per the same amount of Chinese citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their medical technology is not our medical technology. Um, and uh, although you know they, they certainly have advances in this, their their vaccines are not as good as our vaccines. Supposedly, there's a yeah. whole. Whole lot of stuff going on over there. <laughs> what's what? What do you think is going to happen to their economy in the next? Is it just going to you know they're just going to bury a lot of people and that's the way it goes. I mean they're used to that. I mean they buried thirty million people during Mao's famine. You know it's not like they don't know mm-hmm. what mass death is in 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 China. A lot of people have relatives that died in that. You know it, it was in their lifetimes. You know it, it wasn't something uh, in the seventeenth century. It was in the twentieth century.
1: Yeah.
0: So what's yeah, going to happen?
1: Well, I think one thing that's going to happen is there there are going to be a lot of, of deaths and a, an overwhelmed emergency room. And, uh, you know, those those tent hospitals are going to be going up again. I think it'll yeah. be a lot like New York City in the early days of, the, of, uh, of COVID.
0: Yeah. Or, M- or, Milan, so, or Milan. Or, or yeah. Milan. M- Milan was a shit show. Northern Italy was a shit show. Made even New York look yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think you'll see a lot of the vulnerable population dying. Yeah. Uh, but then you're going to see it getting in, uh, getting into the factories, um, and you know it's going to be, It reminds me of our meat processing plants. You know, yes. running rampant. Right. Game.
0: Right. Um,
1: I think they're going to have a really rough go of it. And as you mentioned earlier, right, uh, it's going to be hard because uh, you know, other countries aren't going to be wanting them coming around. Um, it's going to be very messy and. I'm not sure that it's going to be much better than if they continued their lockdown policies as far as the
0: unhappiness of the Chinese population when all this is coming down. Well, that that's very interesting, and we'll see we'll see where that goes. But clearly, already there's a there. The average Chinese, supposedly, from what I read, I'm obviously reading third hand sources or whatever. But I, I'm not on the street in Beijing. But I'm hearing that they're 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 totally confused by the the rapid the rapid reversal, the 180 degree yes, reversal. Yeah. They're whipsawed. They 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 can't believe it. You know, you know, it, it's yeah, just like because- overnight.
1: Right, because the state propaganda machine was telling them how unpatriotic it was to even catch COVID and pass it on. And that yeah, COVID was you know COVID was the worst thing you know since the plague, and and now you know they just had this hundred. How are they supposed to process that? Right. Okay, and James. Then, uh, she, yeah. And they don't want to admit that that their vaccines oh, exactly. uh, aren't aren't as good as the rest of the world's, and so that exactly uh, the, you know she just got him got himself locked into this place. Um, I don't know. I, I guess if you ask me for my prognostication, I'll bet they really do decide that, OK, <laughs> we would like to get some of those vaccines, please.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That That is an interesting thing. Um, so, James, let's wrap up and just say, you know, that right now we're faced with a situation where there are two dictators that live in this world that are accountable to no one. And it looks like they've created some pretty serious havoc. You know, as much as as crazy as we are and as much as our, you know, our policies were not perfect and the flaws were many, you know, with our health Mm -hmm. policy towards COVID and our political policy towards COVID was a shit show and nothing to be proud of over here. And we really were on the wrong side of a lot of health and political issues regarding COVID. But Mm -hmm. we had a debate about it and there was a discussion and, you know, there were states that thought this and counties that thought that and politicians that that voiced this that's not allowed in china you know, yeah. and, and so their mistakes just keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because no one is allowed mm-hmm. to point out maybe we should have not do this, and the same in Russia right now. No one, as exactly. you know, fifteen years in jail for calling it a war, you know, is allowed yeah. to do anything. So, uh, you know, the the, the dictators have, have have done their job on on the planet Earth. They've uh, they've thrown a monkey wrench into into growth and prosperity and peace and freedom. Um, it's not a pretty picture.
1: No, but. Uh... Call me a cockeyed optimist, but I do see uh, a, a line of hope there. It's the one that you identified about how our system prevailed in many ways. Yes, and, you know, we're, we're messy, but we get through it. And uh, one of my big signs of hope is how things turned out in the uh, in the midterm elections, and where you know democracy actually worked, and with with a few uh, yeah. you know outliers like yeah. the the governor's race in Arizona. We had a darn good election, and you know, democracy is still alive and well in in America. And we have a consumer based economy, yes, uh, that, that China doesn't have. So we've got a lot going for us. Oh, we do. That I, that I think are going to help us get through and prevail in in this new atmosphere that these dictators have created. And it could could get pretty rough at some points. But I'm just really impressed with the resiliency of America and of the other uh, Western industrialized democracies.
0: Thank you so much as always it was enlightening and interesting and my god we we, we covered a lot because it is a head spinning turn of events i guess i would encourage readers to pick up a copy of foreign affairs and just read what really smart people are having to say the scholars and the and the academics and the the, the uh, politicians there's some really interesting articles in there and some interesting books uh, on, uh, to read uh, on the, from the back of that and of course all the other uh, writers that are that are educating us about the the new china Situation. Anyway, James, thank you. you. You stay on the on the good path and uh, keep up what you're doing, and we'll uh, talk again.
1: Thanks. I look forward to it, Jonathan. Thanks very much.
0: Listeners, thanks again for tuning into Out of the Box with Jonathan Russo. Your input is valuable to us, and we'd really like to hear from you. Please send us an email anytime with feedback at OOTB with JRusso at gmail.com and follow us on our Twitter page. OOTB with Jay Russo. Listeners, believe it or not, we're on Instagram. Please follow us at OOTB with Jay Russo on Instagram. This has been a copyrighted production of Grapevine Incorporated. All rights reserved.